we've got a, a real uh, treat this morning. We've got a tag team Sunday happening this morning, and uh, I don't want to take any more time. I just want to invite Althea up, and let's welcome Althea. Althea delivers the word this morning. It's going to be great. It's scary going after all that, trust me. <laughs> right, I'll be fine, thank you. Okay, um, what's, what's the theme of Infuse at the moment? Somebody tell me. Alive. What? Alive. Correct. So, I was thinking about that one word, and I thought, when do you have to say to somebody, arise? Usually, they're sitting down, or asleep, or dead. And we need to think about... <laughs> What category are you in? I'm talking to me as well. Okay, now we're going to look at Luke 7, verses 12 to 15. I've only got all the scriptures on here, so I'm going... Anyway. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. A large crowd for the city was with her, and when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. And said to her, do not weep. Then he came and touched the coffin, the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak. I wonder what he said. And he presented him to his mother. I love this. This shows the compassion and goodness of God. A widow without a son would probably end up in dire poverty, as it is in many countries now. That's the compassion and goodness of our Savior. And he says, arise. The next passage, Luke 8, you'll also know this one. <clears throat> this is Jairus' daughter. All wept and mourned for her, but he said, don't weep. She's not dead. She's sleeping. And they ridiculed him. Imagine that. They ridiculed him, knowing, knowing in their intellect that she was dead. But he put them all outside, took her by the hand, and said, Little girl, arise. Then his spirit returned. She arose immediately, and he commanded that she be given something to eat. That's compassion again. She's dead. Give her something to eat. She was dead, she's alive. He was ridiculed because their intelligence told them she was dead. You can't over, you can, you can easily overrate our intelligence without him. The important thing about these two examples of what Jesus did is he brought dead people back to life. You might think that's very nice for them. What's that got to do with me? It's got a lot to do with you. If you're praying for a son or a daughter, or a male, or a female, it comes under this category. If they're male or female, he can raise them from the dead. So whatever, whoever you're praying for, whoever you're believing for, whatever situation you're expecting, be persistent, persevere, don't give up, because one of these days, he's going to walk right up to them and say, arise. He gives life to the dead. I'm living proof that he gives life to the dead. Okay, next scripture, Acts 26. 
This is where Paul is recounting at his trial how Jesus spoke to him. Rise. Unfortunately, not arise. Rise, stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles, to whom I now send you, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance amongst those who are sanctified by faith in me. Okay, so this is him talking to Saul, who was blinded for three days. Three days is interesting. And he says to him, I'm going to make you a minister and a witness. I believe he's also given us a very, very similar commission. Before he left, he was very specific He said, go make disciples of all people. He said it several times. Check it out in the Gospels. He's told us, make disciples. That's not just get people born again. That means get them on the right track, that they really know the word, they really know who he is, and have a strong confidence in him. The important thing that he was speaking to Saul, alias Paul, is I will yet reveal to you. I will yet reveal to you. In a relationship with him, he reveals more. If he's not revealing more to you, spend more time with him. And he will. He will. We are in a relationship. We're not in a religion. Religion is a dangerous thing. Say no more because we might get knocked off YouTube. (laughs) He also said, I am sending you to open eyes. Open eyes to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. If you don't think Satan's got any power, you must be living in a different universe than the one I'm living in. I don't watch television, but I hear a lot of what's going on. There's a huge amount of vile things happening in the world, not just COVID or anything like that, but people, Christians, our family members are being crucified, heads chopped off, terrible things happening to women. It's just incredible the number of people that are suffering for their faith. But Jesus says, I will deliver you. Even in those circumstances, I firmly believe he delivers. He also said in this passage, Turning, getting people away from the power of Satan to God, he says they will receive forgiveness. We all need forgiveness at certain times. In my case, most days. We need his forgiveness. But not only does he give us forgiveness and mercy and goodness and love, he also gives us an inheritance. We, saints, have an inheritance. It's waiting for us. We have an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith. We are sanctified by our faith, by our confidence in him, by our trust in him. Just by knowing him and loving him, he's cleaning us up. He's sanctifying us. It's part of a process we go through. Would that it was quicker. That's our commission. Right, the next thing, Ephesians 5, 14 to 16. Now, this is the same Paul that was flawed. 
I'm blinded for a few days, three days. This is Paul talking to believers. He's not talking to unsaved people. He's talking to us. He's talking to me. He says, awake, you who sleep. Arise from the dead. You might have thought I was being silly saying before that we could be classified as dead. It's possible. It's possible. I've had phases in my Christian life where I've not been fully alive. Awake, you who sleep. Pastor Gary and the rest of us want to see revival. We want to see this church being the church that it's meant to be, being who he's decided we are, designed that we are, sorry. We have to awake. We have to rise up and say, yes, I want that. It's no good sitting down thinking, well, that'll be nice if that happens. No, desire it, yeah. want it. Yeah. Like, we, like Christiana said, eagerly desire prophecy. Yeah. You've got to be eager. You've got to be desperate, and he will definitely meet with you. Let's look at the rest of it. It says, and Messiah will give you light. He gives us light. He doesn't leave us in the dark. He gives us light. He says, see that you walk circumspectly. That's not a word we use very often. So I had to double check the meaning in a dictionary. It means being careful where you walk. There are some places we cannot walk. I used to love going to the cinema. It used to be my, one of my major fun things. I used to go twice a week when I was younger because there were a lot of good films then. Now, I can't go, hardly ever, because the stuff that's on the screen is not good for me to see. I'm not hiding away from what people do. I've done a lot of things that you don't want to know about. I'm not hiding from life. I just don't want my mind polluted. I don't want to listen to stuff that's going to harm me. I'm very careful what I listen to and what I watch. I listen to what God's saying, not what other people are saying. Sorry, can't say those words. Beginning with P. No, never did say politician. He said, walk wisely, carefully. It says, not as fools, but wise. He's talking to me, he's talking to me possibly you. Don't be a fool. Walk wisely. Consider where you're walking. Consider what you're doing. Consider how you're spending your time. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. In Paul's day, the times were evil. Guess what? They're getting worse. They are getting worse practically daily. We have to stand up and say no to some of the stuff that's heading our way. We've got to resist it as long as we can because people need to hear the gospel. I'm not saying resist the evil, because we could stop it. We're not going to be able to stop it because it's going to happen because the Bible tells us that it's going to get worse. But that's good because when it gets really dark, your light will shine ever brighter. It's not negative to know that it's going to get dark. It's good. But we need to use our time wisely. Don't be distracted. Our absolute focus must be Jesus. Jesus and then again, who? Or Yeshua. We need to focus on him because we're the ones who carry in the light. We're the ones who can love people, stand with people, be with them, love them, tell them the truth that they are loved, they are precious, and they are important to God, and they have a future, and it's a two-choice future. All our futures depend on our choices. Heaven or hell, it's already been mentioned. We can't get away from it. There's only two places we go when we're dead, heaven or hell. It's optional. People want to go to heaven, get to know Jesus. If you want to go to hell, well, I won't be seeing you. 
I'm going up. Sideways, wherever heaven is. It's where he is. Okay, the last one. Romans 13, 11 to 12. I'm not going to use all of this. It says, do this knowing the time that now, now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. He's provided armor. We're safe, we've got armor. Make sure you've got your armor on. Put it on. He's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. He doesn't, there's nothing else to give. There's nothing else to give. He's given us everything we need. Our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The word salvation in the Hebrew is the same word that gives us the name Jesus. His name is actually, in Hebrew, Yeshua, which means salvation. So when it says salvation is nearer, it also means he is nearer. He's coming back. He is soon coming back. He's soon coming back. What else is coming? The day is at hand. What is that day that's at hand? It's the day of the Lord. It's the day of wrath. It's the day of judgment. It's, it's his day when he has to wind things up, when he has to judge. We will be judged, but our judgment is going to be a wonderful judgment. We'll go to a judgment seat where he's sitting, our beautiful Savior, and he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Here's your rewards. That's our future. Stick with him. That's our future. The other one is horrendous. And that's why our focus has to be Jesus. What does he want me to do with my life is the question. Every morning my prayer is, right, Lord, what are we doing today? What are we doing today? Because he's with me. He loves me. He's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. He will enable me to do the things he wants me to do. He's going to not just only get me to walk on water. He's going to get me to walk next door and talk to my neighbor. He's going to get me to talk to people in the shops. He's going to get me to love people. We are required to love people. doesn't matter what they're like. We're required to love them. I've got to stop now. The thing said stop. Thank you. Cool. That's a good word. That's a good word. We're going to uh, hear from Emily now. Uh, so let's welcome Emily as she comes and shares a word with us as well. Welcome, Emily. What a Sunday to preach. I tell you, I was a little bit, um, a little bit anxious hearing that I was going to go after Althea, mighty woman of God. Um, there were a lot of anxious thoughts and feelings that I had in me this week, but but God's got something and, you know, and I'm excited for you to, to hear what he's got on my heart for today. Um, so I want to start with the story. Um, so there's this water bearer and every day he travels miles upon miles to um, fetch water. Um, and he fetches water with, um, he has a pole on his shoulders and he has two large pots. Um, in one of these pots is just beautiful, it's seamless, it's flawless, it has no chips, it has no cracks. Um, but this other pot has a big crack running through it. Um, so every day, 
as the, um, the water bearer goes and he fetches water, the perfect pot will always bring back the exact same amount that it was put in when it comes back to the house. But the cracked pot will only deliver half. Now, this cracked pot started to feel really ashamed. Um, and he was very, it was very, I don't want to say he, I may say he, I don't know why I say he. It was very ashamed and it was very aware of its imperfections. Um, and it knew that the other pot performed perfectly every time. It started to feel really miserable um, and like he was an absolute failure because it could only accomplish half of what it was created to do. Just let that sink in for a second. Um, two years pass and this water, um, this cracked pot, um, is still in these feelings of, of misery and of failure. And one day when he, um, when it, when they are at the stream, he, it, sorry, the cracked pot says to his master, says to his water bearer, I am ashamed of myself and I apologise. I only deliver half the water you fill me with and because of my flaws, you have to do more work and you don't get the full value of your efforts. So this water bearer, he, he takes a moment and he says back to this pot, did you notice that there were only flowers on your side of the path and not on the other side of the path? If I get emotional, I apologise. Um, that is because I have always known about your flaw and I have planted seeds along the path so that as we walk, you will water those seeds. And for the past two years, I have picked flowers and added them to my table. It is because... Oh, hang on. Next page. I don't want to repeat what I just said. Um... It's because of the, you being who you are, there would not be beauty to grace my house with. I want you guys to just think on that because there's a lot to unpack in that, in that story. Um, and I want to share some words. I want to speak some words um, which some of you may have felt at some point of your life and... and um, and we'll go from there. Um, unworthy, imperfect, not good enough, too sinful, too stupid, just too messed up, too depressed, too much anxiety, too sick, not enough energy, unloved, forgotten, I've made too many mistakes. How often do we look at our flaws and our cracks and we say, well, if only I could change this, then things would be better. Then I would feel better. This is what God says to your cracks and your flaws. Without you being just who you are, there would be no grace and beauty in this world. So I want to talk a little bit about Paul. 
um, mighty man of Paul. This is Paul, formerly Saul. There's a lot of Pauls in the Bible, so I needed to clarify that. Um, uh, I always thought of Paul as being this really stocky man with fabulous set of hair and um, big muscles and tall and and um, just really good in structure. Um, that's always whatever I've read. Um, and um, I was really interested when um, looking a bit deeper that um, in the Bible it actually places him as quite a... Um, unimpressive man, um, which I find very interesting. Um, in one letter in 2 Corinthians 10.10, 10, um, Paul is speaking to the people of church and he mentions in one of his letters um, that they speak to him as um, saying, his letters are brawny and potent, but in person he is a weakling and mumbles when he talks. Um, I can relate to that. Um, and then I was looking a bit deeper and I found um, in this mid-century um, document called the Acts of Paul and Thesia, don't quote me on that name, um, it talks a little bit more about Paul's appearance by um, stating, a man of little stature, thin-haired upon the head, crooked in the legs, of good state of body with eyes, eyebrows adjoining, with a nose... <laughs> With the nose somewhat hooked. Um, but it goes on to say that sometimes he appeared as a man and other times he appeared with, a, with his face like an angel. Isn't that just God shining his light out of, out of Paul? Um, and if you've read any of, any of Paul's letters, any of his words, you know that God just shines out of him. Um, I, so, you know, in saying that, Paul, we look at Paul now with, in seeing as quite insig insignificant man, as they say in the Bible. I personally don't think that, but that is what it's written. Um, so not only did Paul suffer from physically being ridiculed, um, he also suffered um, through um, persecution. Oh, goodness. I've lost a page. Oh, yeah. Um, in Acts 14.19, um, in the Amplified Version, um, Paul is stoned and left for dead um, um, due to uh, the people. Um, he was with Barnabas and uh, he came in and he, and he healed a, a crippled man in his feet and um, uh, the people would call called him and Barnabas um, Zeus and Hermes. And they were wanting to bring sacrifices um, to him, but they said no, and they tore their cloaks. And as a result of that, and and speaking out against them, um, Paul was stoned and left for dead. Um, but in verse twenty, it says, "But the disciples formed a circle around him." Oh, praise God! He got up and went back into the city. And the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derby. They preached the good news to that city and made many disciples. And then they turned to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch, strengthened, strengthening and establishing the hearts of the disciples, encouraging them to remain firm in the faith and saying, it is through many tribulations and hardships that we must enter the kingdom of God. Um, that reminded me of this really... Um, incredible story that Candy, I don't think she's here today, 
um, spoke to us last week and she very publicly said um, that becoming a Christian has not made her life easy and in some ways it's made her life harder. Um, And I think we all have those moments where we think to ourselves, oh, well, God, why is this still difficult? Why is this still harder? Um, But it... you will see. You will see. You will. See, you will see to the come at the end of my message why. Um, so, despite Paul's suffering, Paul's heart was full of joy. Um, Paul writes in two Corinthians twelve. Therefore, I will all the more gladly boast in my weakness, so the power of Christ may completely enfold me, and may dwell in me. I am so pleased with my weaknesses with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak in human strength, then I am strong, truly able, truly powerful, truly drawing from God's strength. When we as people are walking with our flaws and with our cracks... God is using us and our weaknesses to shine his light through them. Much like Paul, he says that if when I am weak in human strength, then I am strong, truly able, truly powerful, truly drawing from God's strength. When we are weak in our flaws, in our cracks, when we feel like it just keeps crumbling and keeps breaking open, He shines his light through, his living water through. And as a result of his living water coming through, we're flourishing. Not only are we flourishing, the people we walk life with are flourishing. He is watering them, strengthening them to flourish in their lives. And then as, as a result, what happens? Their cracks, God flows through them. They start to flourish. But we have to be holding on to our strength in God. Remember, with each crack, each mistake, sinful nature, time of fear, anxiety, depression, self-hate, time of anger, bitterness, self-doubt, insecurity, pain, sickness, grief and suffering... In each moment you feel you are only fulfilling half your purpose, God is working through you. God is working through you. God knows your flaws, your cracks, your weaknesses. When we walk through life with God, he fills us with his strength, his life-giving water. He's causing, as I said, Flowers to flourish, to flourish um, of those who we walk life with. I've had this, um, a bit of an interesting week this week where I watched this incredible, I'm going to get emotional talking about this incredible um, video that I watched 10 years ago um, of a, um, passion meditation at one of our one of these schools that I uh, my my former school and my friend was in it and we sat down and we watched it one night and and in this story it goes along and um, the main character ends up 
um, accidentally killing his friend, um, which is pretty heavy. And in this moment, as his friend's been brought up to heaven and God's walking back down to him, he hugs him. Oh. And when people and the height of everyone else are crowding around him, God is there holding these people back. He is holding them back from this person, from this sinner that God has believed is redeemed and has been made clean. That is what God does. Not only is he pouring living water out of these cracks, he is holding himself in those cracks. He is using his strength interweaved in those cracks. I just, I want to pray and then ask Pastor Gary to come up. If you yourself are feeling that these cracks in your life just keep breaking open, let them break open. Let God pour through your cracks. Father, thank you for these people, Lord. Thank you for this morning. Thank you, Lord, that the word you gave me this morning was restore, that you will restore your kingdom, you will restore yourself in the lives of these people, Lord, that you will use them. You will use them with their cracks, with their weaknesses, with their flaws, and that you will flourish through them so that they may be your light to the world, Lord. May, may they be your, your living water to your people, Father. Lord, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for this morning, Father. I thank you, Lord, for your courage. And I thank you, Lord, that it won't stop. It won't stop. The water will keep pouring out, Father. Amen. Can we just uh, stand? I love it that when you get two people delivering a message, how God uses both of those messages to to lead people towards himself. With Althea, her talk about a rise, that God wants to raise people from the dead and to bring life into people. And then with Emily talking about, you know, the flaws and the faults that we may have, the cracks in that we see in ourselves maybe that, you know, that we, we maybe try to discount ourselves as to being someone that God could love or use, and that's not true. But this morning, maybe those messages of being raised from the dead or being a cracked pot. I didn't say that really funny, but it is a cracked pot. But maybe there's someone here this morning that you know that right now you just feel dead inside and you know that there's hope here today because we've spoken about it. You've seen God working in, in lives today and, and the cry of people's hearts and it's amazing. It's, his love is just amazing. But maybe you're just feeling like, you know, you need God to breathe on you. And I want to tell you, it's not your, uh, your goodness that's going to do this. It's the goodness of God. In our bro- I was broken. And, and in areas of my life, I still am. And I'm still working those stuff out. And I I'm, I'm praise God that I 
hopefully there's some daisies behind me. Maybe, just maybe, you're wanting to know that there's meaning in your life. Maybe, just maybe, you're wanting God to come through for you in a way that you know that only God can. But it's going to start with a relationship with Jesus Christ to make Him the Lord and Savior of your, of your life, to simply invite Him into your heart and say, Jesus, come in. Would you pour your water, your living water in me that it comes out of me, your grace, your life? And maybe you've never done that before. But today I'm going to invite you to do that. Only if you want to. Like Althea said, it's optional where you end up, where you want to go. So this morning, you have a choice to make whether you're going to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or you're not. Most of us here have done that. And maybe there's people here that haven't. But you know that today God's been speaking to you and that today's your day. If you would like to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to put your hand up so that I know who I'm praying for today. So that we can pray for you and see you become what we call born again by the Spirit of God. Is there anyone here this morning? You've never prayed for Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, and this morning you want to do that. I want you to put your hand up right now. I just want to pray for you. Is there anyone here this morning? Father, I thank you for your people. I pray for maybe those people online who will pray this prayer. Father, I pray that they cry out to you for you to make yourself known to them in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.